0: final hour of the lake show henry lake out tonight big shoes to fill i'll tell you dave schwartz filling in you can hear me on the huddle on sunday mornings on wccl radio from 10 to noon follow me on twitter at dave underscore schwartz it's s-c-h-w-a-r-t-z you might remember me i don't maybe you do maybe you don't used to be on television gave it up now i have a nine to five but i still talk on the radio Every now and then. So fun to be back here with you guys tonight. Thank you for listening. Fun to be in uh, the saddle here with Jonathan Lowe as well. Jonathan, thanks for being here tonight. Enjoyed the last two hours for, with you. And uh, we got one more to go. This hour, we'll have Alec Lewis from The Athletic who will join us uh, in about a half hour to talk about the Vikings. The Vikings who, boy, you'd think the sky was falling. There's still a 10-win football team, by the way. I think that throughout all this, People, we've kind of lost sight of the fact, that, and we tend to do that sometimes here as Minnesota sports fans. We tend to we tend to understand and lose lose sight of the fact that this team's still really good. <laughs> they're still a ten win football team. They're still going to make the playoffs. They will make the playoffs. Now, who the Vikings will play and who how far they're going to go is is a completely different story. But they're still going to make the playoffs. They're ten and three right now. They need to win another game. They need the Lions to lose a game. That's gonna happen. The Lions, they may lose this weekend at, at the Jets. But this still, this team still has a lot going for it. Not the least of which is Kirk Cousins, although statistically this is not his best season ever. Boy, I'll tell you, he has he has really silenced, I think, some of the haters. That have, that have been, you know, barking at him through his last few years here in Minnesota. And I remember talking with Matt Collar, PurpleInsider.com, before the season started. And we had a conversation about, is this finally the year that Kirk Cousins just gets smart or if I has, a co- has a coach who believes in him to just throw the ball up and let J.J. go? And, and, and you have him. I mean, J- J- Justin Jefferson... I think he's the MVP this year. I, I think he's, you can probably, I'm sure there's other players you could make cases for, but goodness, what he's done this year and, and what he did this last weekend, which, by the way, no one's even talking about because of the defense and how bad things are, which really, but that isn't that the, isn't that the most Minnesota thing, though? It's it's we 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 cannot celebrate the Minnesota, I shouldn't say Most Minnesota. Miss m- m- the Most Minnesota Sports thing. We're not talking about what Justin Jefferson did last weekend, his unbelievable game. We're not talking about what Kirk Cousins did last weekend and how well he played. 41 of 31, 425 yards. In one game and no picks. He had a quarterback rating of 124 and a half. We're not talking about Justin Jefferson. 223 yards in one game. He was averaging. Averaging against the Lions. 20 yards per catch. Unbelievable. These are video game statistics. But then again... So is Dalvin Cook, 23 yards on 15 attempts, one and a half yards per carry. A really bad video game statistic. It's like me playing against my kid and just destroying me. But we're not talking about that. We're focusing on the negative, and and that's the NFL, not for long. What have you done for me lately? I get it. But I think that it's time to start thinking here that that we have a really special talent in Justin Jefferson and I, I, I you have to surround him I think at some point here with a winning team with a team that's truly going to go and, and I'm not saying listen I don't think I don't think this Vikings team has what it takes to win a Super Bowl I just don't think it's their year not to say that I don't think it's not going to happen at some point, although every Vikings fan out there right now is yelling at their radar going, "We've been waiting 40 some odd years and it hasn't happened yet." But I I think that at some point, you know, every player has to wonder whether this is a place that I can win. And at some point here, Jonathan, I think Justin Jefferson is going to have to look around and say is this is this where i'm going to stay is this the team that's going to going to keep me here to win football games and win championships
1: well the 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 problem is you've got history when you're when you're going especially down that path yeah the only wideout that i can say has come into minnesota over the last 40 years the 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 last big name receiver that either stayed or came into Minnesota was Chris Carter. Mm-hmm. The others, Stefan Diggs left. Yep, Randy Moss left. Um, Justin Jefferson is in the category of those other three receivers. Will he stick around? And Adam, I'll say Adam Thielen stayed, but yep. you wouldn't put him, even though he's a really good receiver and has been so for a few years, you still wouldn't put him in that category of Jefferson or
0: Diggs or Moss or Carter. But no, but I've had those discussions before. <laughs> yes, I've had those discussions of where Adam Thielen is in the pantheon um, and, here and, in Minnesota, and
1: he's a special case because he was yes. he's born and raised here in the yes. state, and he went to Mankato. Um, so he's a different situation. When you, when you I talk... just wish
0: they talked about that more on television that he went to Mankato.
1: Yeah, that's true. yeah, yeah. They don't talk about it enough, do they?
0: Yeah. Just go uh, down. They... Just
1: go down one sixty nine. You'll you'll get yeah, there.
0: You'll get there. Um, the the, the f- football mecca. Right. Yeah, go ahead.
1: If if Cincinnati can get to multiple Super Bowls, if Kansas City, humble brag, can win a Super Bowl, humble brag. Um, if Arizona can go from the laughing stock of and, and Cincinnati was in this, in this boat to the laughing stock of the, of the league, yeah. of the NFL. There were years where Cincinnati was pretty much dead at the bottom and, and full of dysfunction. There were decades where the Cardinals were dead at the bottom and full of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. If those teams can get to a Super Bowl. Minnesota can. It's just it's just they've had opportunities, they've had chances, they haven't taken advantage, taken advantage of their chances and part of that is just sheer bad luck. But they they have there is an opportunity to win here. If you can win in Green Bay, if they can build yes. a winner in Green Bay, Wisconsin, right. you can build a winner in in
0: the Twin Cities. Sure. So, and I agree with you, two things. One, they have got to get to Justin Jefferson this offseason for a contract extension. He's He's got uh, one year left next year. He makes, what, 2.3? He makes 1.8 this year, 2.3 next year. They have to, have to, have to give him a contract extension. But here's the thing, and you said bad luck, and I do agree there's some bad luck. I also think that there's years of not great drafting. Now, you're saying, you're crazy, Dave. They drafted Justin Jefferson. Yes, they did. They drafted Adrian Peterson, too. And by the way, I saw on Twitter, I think it was the weekend, maybe Rick Rick Spielman has a a, – he's on a podcast where he's talking about they don't have a a good enough this and they don't have a good enough that. And I'm yelling at my computer, you're the one that drafted him. (laughs) But – Every, it seems like every season the, every year the last couple of years, it's an offensive lineman. It's always an offensive lineman. and, and then last year they go and get Lewisine. Lewisine got injured. There's nothing you can do about that. But they haven't beefed up at some of those positions. There's just and, and to me, defensive secondary is one of them. They've had quite a few misses. Mike Hughes, Trey Waynes. Xavier Rhodes was good for a while before he left. They've had some hits, Harrison Smith, no doubt. Absolute home run. But to me, that position has had more misses than hits, and that's a huge reason why they're having the trouble they're having this year because of it. And defense still rules in the NFL, man. I mean, yes, you have to have – you can have a great, great offense. You really can. But if you don't have a good defense, and it's true, defense wins championships, you cannot win without a great defense. And they have the potential to have one. I I think that with some slight tweaking, maybe, and we'll talk about that. Alec Lewis will join us at 8.30. We'll chat about that with him. But, but first and foremost, what they absolutely have to do this offseason, the Vikings have got to lock up Justin Jefferson. And I don't care what it takes to make it work financially. Any single player on the roster is up for a restructure, a trade, a release, whatever it takes, other than maybe Kirk Cousins. Anybody, you make sure you keep Justin Jefferson.
1: I mean, I I agree with that, that Jefferson should be the key. Mm-hmm. And I know and, – and I also agree with you about the drafting. We, uh, w- we've talked on other shows about this at other times. I, I remember specifically talking – this might have even been a year or two ago, mm-hmm. and I was filling in on a Saturday. And, but someone was bringing up the, the Vikings drafts, and it might have been around draft time. And I brought up the fact that you look at the, the history of the drafts that the Vikings have had over the last five, six years. How many guys can you even say are still on the roster? Yep. How many guys can you even say are still in the league? Yep. And, and if, you have, if you hit on one player in a draft each year, that's still not going to be enough. Because you got 53 guys on a roster. you got 22 position players that, that you have on the field at any time. So you're saying, let's say you have a history of 10 years of drafting one good player, one decent player, one potential starting player. That isn't even a full side of the roster. Yeah. So drafting is so important in the NFL, and it's not just hitting the home run picks. you got to hit the, the depth. You have to be able to get solid enough players to build depth, like you just said. It's, it's, it's paramount, and especially on the defense and offensive line.
0: Yeah. It, it, the drafting, to me, has been it – it, it changes franchises. It's what makes franchises good. And Rick Spielman's uh, philosophy was always to trade back and get more so that he could have more chances to hit later. Get those bargain guys. And I, I, I think back through his tenure, and I think about the really big home run guys that he drafted. How many turned out to be really home run other than Justin Jefferson? Adrian Peterson was I, – I now I'm going to have to remember if that was a Spielman or if that was a Spielman and company. At that point in 07, I want to say it was two thousand seven. But that's a long time. Who am I? They had some really good defensive players. But is there someone immediately that comes to your mind that I'm missing here?
1: I'm, I'm looking at, at pro football. <laughs> I'm looking at Pro over the Vikings yeah. draft history. Um, they they got Kyle Rudolph, who who was serviceable. I wouldn't yes, say it was home very run, good but serviceable um Harrison Smith. Yep. Um two guys, <laughs> two guys in 2013 that turned out to be a late blossom and the guy that kind of petered out, Xavier Rhodes petered out. Cordero Patterson is now a uh, he's had a, he's he's created a second career.
0: Yeah, he has. Um he might have had a different career here if it wasn't for Mike Zimmer. I would have loved to have seen what he did here what he would have done here under Kevin O'Connell.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Barr was a good pick. Daniil Hunter, yep. um Stefan Diggs.
0: Yeah. Uh, so some good ones, some late and Dixie was a was a sixth rounder, I believe, wasn't he?
1: Diggs was a fifth rounder. Fifth rounder. Thank you, Um, Jarek McKinnon. And by the way, again, as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, home, Thank you very much for Jarek McKinnon. (laughs) He's been fantastic for the Chiefs this year. Thank you so much.
0: But look Um, at how many great home run players. Well, you know, if you are Kansas City, it it was one guy. You got Patrick Mahomes, and it changes your changes everything.
1: Yeah, but but again, go back to the Super Bowl. I believe it was fifty five, where Kansas City was was facing Tampa Bay. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes can't do everything. You've yeah. got to have people there to protect him. You've got to have people yep. there to throw the ball to. And Kirk Cousins, I thought when they picked him, when they picked him up, the Vikings did, I thought that was a hell of a, a, a pickup because I thought he was solid enough and good enough to get them over the hump. It just hasn't worked out that way. And, and I believe you're right. The drafting of other players has not been up to par to help, yeah. to help push them over the top.
0: It's not there. Some of the guys have played well. Some of them have underperformed. Daniil Hunter is one of those guys. What are they going to do? Are they going to change the scheme? And how difficult is it? Can you even change a scheme at this point in the NFL season? Coming up next from The Athletic, Alec Lewis is going to join us. I am going to ask him that and more coming up next on The Lake Show.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: The Lake Show, trying to do the best I can for Henry Lake. He's a tough one to take over for. Uh, You may have heard me a little bit on the Sunday morning on The Huddle, alongside Pete Najarian from 10 to noon every Sunday, except this one. We'll have a show. I'm out of town this week. Matthew Collar will be filling in. Uh, Great to have Alec Lewis with us. He writes about the Vikings for The Athletic. And uh, he joins us now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker hotline. Alec, uh, why can't we have nice things? Why couldn't we just have this beautiful season that was going so well? Just take us nicely right into the playoffs.
2: Well, I'm not from here, but I mean, from what I know, like that—that's that's just like that's that's written in the uh, just <laughs> commandments of yes. of what's supposed to happen here. That's that's kind of my, what the gist that I have. Um, figured out in a short three or so months that I've been here. But, no, you're right. I mean, it is – it's crazy. They're 10-2 and and have won 10 games. And it's funny, I was thinking about this earlier, but, I mean, if you think – if you, like, step back very big picture and and really just think, like, this team has won 10 of their first 13 games, uh, it's it's, kind of wild. So different perspectives to look at it for
0: sure. Yet everybody is calling for Ed Donatel's head. Uh, but so this is what I'm interested in and, and I have covered football professional football for a very long time I was a very poor high school football player but how difficult is it to to change a scheme at this point in the season to conceivably try to get a little bit more out of Z'Darrius Smith who's maybe been a little bit quieter but certainly Daniil Hunter who's normal statistics have just absolutely dropped off a cliff this year in his current scheme? Yeah, it's a great question. I'll
2: start with Daniil Hunter because I was thinking about him last night as I was watching Monday Night Football, and I, I pulled up some of the film that I have, and I I really kind of watched most of the defensive performance from Sunday and just focused on Daniil Hunter every single snap. And I just wanted to see what it looked like, and I know you mentioned the numbers, and I think overall you're exactly right in that it, it does feel like they've dropped off from, like, a sack standpoint. But I, I will say just watching, I mean, first, on Sunday he was matched up against Panay, who was one of the youngest and most bright tackles in the NFL. And the other thing that I just that jumped out is, I mean, he was winning on a fair amount of refs. And though he did drop in coverage at, at, at a couple of snaps, he was most of the time hand in the ground, roughing, rushing the passer, excuse me. So um, I don't say that to, to mitigate the fact that the pressure has not gotten the quarterback to the liking of all fans and probably the team <laughs> and even the, the pass archers themselves. In terms of altering the scheme, I mean, it's really difficult to, uh, I think, just scrap plays or assignments. What I do think is possible though, and it it jumped out on the film as well as the Vikings secondary and their defensive backs play play so far off receivers, and so the receivers aren't having to fight to release off the line of scrimmage. And and, and the quarterback on Sunday's case, Jared Goff, is just in pure timing, rhythm progression. Um, so I think if there are adjustments to be made, I mean, I think it's 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 shortening the space between where the secondary plays off of the receivers, and then I think it is dialing up some different things, specifically with guys like Eric Kendricks, who, who are, have proven in years past an ability to rush the passer and, and, and be creative in that, from that standpoint. So I know I'm throwing out a lot of different things, but I think that's the nature of where things lie yeah. with this Vikings defense. It's going to take a lot to shore up so much of the space that seems to pop every single Sunday.
0: So so maybe Ed Donatel doesn't need to be run out of town uh, just yet. Alec Lewis from The Athletic joining us now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. What? It, from what you've gathered from Kevin O'Connell and your dealings with him this year, how yeah. does that conversation go? How does that conversation go from Kevin to a guy who's coached more football than, than – I think Kevin O'Connell's lived at this point <laughs> in his life, right? I mean, how does and and he's a very very much a, a esoteric, thoughtful kind of guy. You can you can see that. How do you think that conversation goes? And, and and how does it? How does that approach happen?
2: It's a great question, and I mean, just from listening and speaking with Kevin, both in pressers and to off to the side, what have you? I mean, he he's a very thoughtful and and um, just I would say new age coach in the sense that it's not so much about like screaming at his players as it is like giving them a reason for why you're doing the things you do and and having relationships with them and but that said in a I, I think there's a competitiveness uh, and a a a um just deep desire to succeed nature within Kevin O'Connell and 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 that that obviously lies from his playing days that can come out. And I think you've seen it on the side. Like there were times Sunday where I was just watching the sideline and watching Kevin's reaction. And after the Lions would convert a third down, you could see him arms folded, shaking his head. I mean, it you could, you could really sense the frustration just looking at him. And so I think in a situation like this, speaking with a guy like Ed, you would hope that the relationship that Kevin and, and Ed have built uh, through their their short time here together, would allow them to have some pretty honest, frank conversations, and that's what I I expect has happened and will continue to happen. I don't think this is the first week. Actually, I know for a fact it's not the first week that these two have, have had serious, honest, intense conversations about the uh, what's what's going on with the defense. So um, I don't know. This is a, this, you know this, but it's just <laughs> such a high stress environment every single yeah. week, and for yeah. for as for as thoughtful and as kind and as young and new age as Kevin O'Connell is, I don't think it mitigates the fact that there is that, that pressure runs high in this thing.
0: But again, and we talked about this already, incredible that uh, on a week in which Justin Jefferson has 223 yards, Kirk Cousins throws for 425 and two touchdowns. It, it's really, it's not even the A or B topic. Those are, those are the C <laughs> topics of this week, which is incredible. Uh, now they get the Colts on a short week, a Colts team that that is going back to Matt Ryan. It sounds like um, Matt Ryan is not the same Matt Ryan he was a couple years ago in Atlanta, though, is he?
2: No, no, he is not. He has not had uh, the most promising of seasons. And if Matt Ryan steps on U.S. Bank Stadium's field on on Saturday, excuse me, and throws for three hundred, the way that the last five quarterbacks that have faced the Vikings have thrown three hundred. Um, the mayhem that it feels like now about the defense will just be, um, ex- exponentially increased because Matt Ryan is, is, I believe Kevin O'Connell said they came in to the league together to, to show how old, uh, and how long Matt Ryan has been doing this. The zip on his passes seems to have been yeah. kind of lost. And, and the reality is their offensive line has just been pretty putrid all season. So, um, it should be. It, it, it really should a, a solid opportunity for the defense, the pass defense specifically, to have a fairly
0: solid day. You would think, and and get some guys back too, which will be good. Uh, sounds like they'll have Harrison Smith back this weekend. Alec Lewis joining us right now from the Athletic on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Alec, we talked a little bit about this earlier in the show about and and, and frankly last Sunday about how I, I impressed I was that the Vikings chose. Not to play Christian Darisaw last weekend when they clearly could have used yeah. him. Um, what went into that decision, and what is it as clear cut as they just simply wanted to make sure he really was healthy and, and through the concussion protocol? Because because from what we're seeing right now in the NFL, if that's true, then then good for them, and and I commend them. But what went into it? What were the talks like? Did Darisaw want to get in there, or did they did they convince him not to? What what behind the scenes? didn't we see?
2: Well, I do think Christian did really want to play, but I I think to your exact point, Christian Darisol was cleared fully, I believe, from the protocol on Friday. Um, So for him to to go through really just one full day of practice on that Friday and then play uh, Sunday, I mean, that's a really quick turnaround. That's not to say he didn't do that a few few weeks ago when he – uh, returned from a, his first concussion of the season. But I, I just think the Vikings, um, knowing what it takes for these guys to play and play at their best Sunday and, and to put them in the best position, just we're not going to throw him out there. But we did talk to him Friday in our, our quick time in the locker room. And you could I mean he, he you could tell he wanted to be in there. I'll, I'll say, I mean, a couple weeks ago I had a conversation with Christian just about – I mean, I, we were talking about the, the T-Wolves and the huge huge. Uh, sports fan, so he's been in the locker room. He's been around, but I think that this this training staff and this medical staff they, they took this one really, really careful. And I think he's returned for a full week of practice this week, which they feel like if he goes through that um, and he is clear of the protocol and and things look and check out good, then he'll he'll play rightfully this weekend. So I think that's been the process, and it's been interesting. I mean. As you know, it's my first year covering the team to watch these processes develop, and there have been a couple of situations beyond national situations like Tua Tagovailoa's concussions. I mean, even within this team, I mean, Caleb Evans, a quarterback, yep. rookie quarterback, has had a couple or a few concussions this season. And so um, you just imagine, I mean, I, I know just hearing Kevin O'Connell talk about these things every week, it's, it's a uh, – it's just a case-by-case basis, and it's, it's just a really, I think, hard injury to get a read on, and it, it requires full honesty from the player, and it requires full understanding of the, the impact of these injuries to the player.
0: Vikings-Colts on Saturday, U.S. Bank Stadium, Alec Lewis joining us from The Athletic, telling us, in fact, we can have nice things here in minnesota <laughs> alec thanks so much thanks for bringing the positivity uh appreciate you coming on on short notice thanks for the insight
2: yeah of course that's what i'm here for positivity um <laughs> that's,
0: that's why i'm here promise well, just wait a few time years time. covering the vikings you'll change appreciate you man <laughs> alec lewis from the athletic thanks so much we'll step aside and uh, put a wrap on the show here you are listening to the lake show on wccl radio Welcome back to The Lake Show. Dave Schwartz in for Henry Lake tonight. I co-host The Huddle, Sundays 10 to noon on this very radio station. Great to have Alec Lewis with us just a few minutes ago, telling us that there are some things that we can be proud of and happy about uh, with this Viking season as they take on the Colts on Saturday. Hey, uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see this or not, but a, an interesting and pretty cool, I guess, thing is, um, if you're a big Hoops fan, which I know, I know you are, Jonathan. So last night, I think it was last night, Bronny James and Keon Anthony played each other uh, in, in Chatsworth, California. They played. That is LeBron James's child and Carmelo Anthony's kid. Of course, Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James once played each other in high school. So this game was—I I think it was nationally televised, wasn't it? I mean, it's all over the place. And, and it was
1: on—I—I I didn't watch it, but it was on yeah. ESPN last night. It was
0: on, I believe, ESPN two. So, <laughs> I have some strong feelings about this. First of all, I would absolutely go see this game live. Don't—don't don't get me wrong. I would. I would have loved to have seen LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony play each other uh, when they could. The, these two young men are exceptional athletes with an unbelievable pedigree, and they're great to watch. But do we really have to broadcast it on national television? And, and this is something that I have that's kind of stuck in my craw for a long time. And and I, I think back to when it really got started, which is probably the Little League World Series, right? Broadcast on ESPN, everybody watched it. I I just... It ends up making these games way more than they are. And, and it's not high school. It's not amateur as much anymore. And these networks, of course, they're making money off these kids when they show these games. I don't know what the ratings were. I'd love to know what the ratings were. I guarantee you they were pretty decent. I just don't know if that's the a direction and, and maybe I'm nitpicking, but you know, I see on social media. There's these accounts where they're interviewing young kids after a game, and what happened to high school sports and youth sports? Just being sports in a game. It's just getting a little out of control, don't you think? And and this is this is an exception. I get it. It's LeBron James's kid and Carmelo Anthony's kid, and and they'll probably both go on to NBA careers and probably be very good players, maybe. But maybe they won't. Maybe the pressure of all this of being the children of those players and all this national attention that's beating down on them does get the better of them and, and they can't. I don't think that's going to happen. They're bred for this, and that's clear. But I just something to me doesn't sit right when we're broadcasting the, these high school football games from you know Mission Viejo, California. It's not amateur sports anymore. It's for-profit. It is on a network, and they are making money off these games. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just old school. Maybe I am I should start yelling at everybody to get off my lawn and stop listening to rock and roll music. But to me, I, it's just a little too much. I... You
1: can I, disagree. I tend to agree. Oh, okay. Um, I think... I, I'm. I know that there are people out there that they'll see. No matter what type of football is on, they'll watch it. No matter whether it's mm-hmm. the NFL or the XFL or the USFL or Division Three college or high school, they'll watch it. Same thing with basketball. Doesn't matter whether it's NBA, G League, any sort of college hoops, Euro League. Um, Anything going toward the high school, like the game last night with LeBron and Carmelo's sons, that's something that people are are hyped up for. I haven't gotten to that point. I really haven't. I think and I think high school could be the cutoff of where, yeah, unless unless you have like some sort of national tournament where it's a national championship tournament where you get. You know the best teams from the West versus the best teams from the South yeah. or the mid Upper Midwest. Okay, maybe I could see that sort of standpoint, but regular season games and especially with this, with these travel teams seems a bit much.
0: And recruiting comes in is is huge into this. I mean that that's there's no doubt about it that these kids want to be on TV so people can see them and 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 and. Fans want to know who's coming next, right? You want to see this kid over here because he's going to play at Duke or basketball at Duke. And this kid over here is going to go play football uh, for Alabama for a year before he goes pro. Uh, And I understand that. But it, 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 it turns into this machine and this unstoppable snowballing effect of it always has to be bigger. Right. I always have to if I'm going to be on I'm going to be on television and then. Well, now I want to go to a school that's also going to play on national television. And if I don't like what I'm getting there, I'm going to jump somewhere else. And I know this was a topic last night because I was listening to the, to the show uh, while I was driving my son to his concert. They were talking about a player who's now on his fourth school uh, through the yep. transfer. Portal. We
1: were talking about JT Daniels. Yep. Yeah.
0: And now I'm not. It's not a direct correlation, right? I'm sure J.T. Daniels maybe wasn't on television he was in high school, but but it becomes a business, and and once you inject television and money and advertising and all that stuff, it becomes a business, and these kids w- want to follow that, and I do think that one does have to do with the other. That this commercialization of high school sports, which it turns you know. It started with college because let's be honest, college football, they're not amateurs anymore. We know that right now. The only difference now is that the NIL is there and it's open and they're allowed to do this. But it's not amateur sports anymore. They're basically professionals, a lot of them, at least in the revenue sports. But now it's even coming down to the high school kids now. You've got high school kids getting NIL deals. a high school kid is getting an NIL deal. I, what happened to mowing lawns <laughs> and stuff shoveling dryways for or, or you know doing things that taught you good hard work ethic not that sports doesn't it I, you know what the more i talk about this the more i know i sound like a cranky old man but <laughs> i just something about amateur high school sports on television just doesn't sit right with me just doesn't well,
1: well, Mr. Cranky, old man, we'll go ahead and get you uh, a nice warm milk and 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 let you get get uh, down to bed so you can watch Matlock, but we got a break.
0: It's a little later than my bedtime, and I do want to catch Matlock. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back on the Lake Show. Woo, how time flies when you're having fun. Lake Show tonight, my thanks to Darby Hendrickson, Brent Axe, Alec Lewis, our guests, to Jonathan Lowe back at the station Putting it all together. Man, this has been fun. Thanks for having me.